Good morning. It's Sunday, April 22nd, and you are listening to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a weekly podcast on the Chicago Cubs and whatever else we feel like talking about. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. Uh, Today on ITW, we'll talk about all the big stories around the majors, including the Chicago Cubs. And I may have a solution for the bad weather woes that have played the teams early in the year. So uh, how are you, Tom? You doing okay? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing all right. The weather is slowly, grudgingly beginning to turn. (laughs) Um, So listen, uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked about a kid who I'd been working with uh, at the school I teach at. You know, he had a very, he had an abusive mother, and then he was forced to go live with his aunt, and he vanished from the school, and I never got a chance to say goodbye to him. Well, I tracked down what school he's at, and Friday, I had a personal business day. I went to track him down and find out, you know, where he is and, and to say goodbye, mm-hmm. and it was a pretty emotional moment. You know, down at 71st and Hoyne, I had wow. to drive down to the south side and uh, walked into this very nice school. Uh, very clean, very quiet. Uh, there was a very, uh, very nice woman sitting there at the front door, and she was wearing a T-shirt for the school. She seemed very, I don't know, uh, very competent, very capable. I asked her if I could find Kamarion, explain my situation. Mm-hmm. Kamarion is the name of the kid. And she, um, she went and got him. So while we're waiting there, it turns out this woman is the principal of the school. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She's, and she's sitting there. This is unusual. I've never seen a principal do this sit at the front desk of the school and basically receive visitors and basically just be the first thing that anybody ever sees, which I, I was impressed. I, I'm impressed by that too. That, that story that, by the way, that was a harrowing story that you saw. It was a harrowing story. And so while we're waiting for uh, the kid to come, Kamara to come, you know, she's talking to me and I'm telling her a little bit about my experience with Kamarion and how tough he's had it. And, you know, she says, it's very nice that you came down. I, I stopped at a Walmart. I picked up a little gift bag with some pencils, with some magic markers and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, just a little, I got a couple of Hot Wheels cars. Nice. And, you know, so he comes and he's kind of like, what do I do? How do I react? Right. I know this is Mr. Fontana. So I kind of gave him a hug and I said, how are you doing? And I gave him the bag and said goodbye. Wow. And I, I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting something a lot more emotional, but it just was sort of, I don't know. It was just, it just sort of, it didn't fall flat. I'm glad I did it, but I don't know. I just felt like I wish, but I mean, that's not why I went. I didn't go there. Right. You know, you so. know, I, I just, to, to add to that, I think that, that that's a great thing that you did. That whole story was uh, troubling, obviously, but, if if it has any impact on this this child's broken life, basically yeah. that that, that yeah. he leads with this this addicted mother of his, um, you know, you may play a very small role in the fact that maybe he was able to turn his. All you can do is hope. Hope, you know, you know, you obviously know who this child is, and if his name shows up in the newspaper in the next uh, period of time, then you know you'll know your result. But if it doesn't show up, then maybe maybe something good actually happened. I hope, you know, I hope. And he's a, he's, he's a sweet kid at, at, at his heart, but he's got a lot of things going on that are troubling him. And, you know, I just didn't want him to just be a pebble that washed away that uh, by the Chicago public schools, you know what I mean? It was just too, it was, 
I couldn't live with that. You right. Know what I mean, so right. anyway. So uh, y- yesterday, Vern Troyer passed away, uh, who uh, played Mini Me in the Austin yes. Powers uh, films, which were uh, one of them was very good. The, se- the the second or the third one, the Gold Member one or whatever that that was one of the worst films I ever saw. But uh, it, he had a troubled life. Um, you know, I I don't want to make any. Uh, jokes, you know, that he had a short no. life or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, apparently he's going to be buried next to Mr. Bigglesworth. So um, that's that's that about that. Is that, that. true? Is uh, that true? No, no I, okay, I, no, okay, I okay, made that okay, part okay. up. All right, all right, all right. All right. Here comes the mini-me jokes. All right, all right. <laughs> no, uh, he was good in that movie. And, uh, you know, he had a nice little payday as a result. So that was good. Right. So... All right, so it's been a really wild start to the season. No we're doubt. Three, we're like three or four weeks in, almost four weeks in, and uh, just a lot of crazy stuff has been happening. Um, now, the Red Sox have gotten off to such a good start. What are they, 15-3? and three? They're, seven, they're 17 and 3, and they're very reminiscent of the 84 team, the, my, my Detroit Tigers, who started out 35-5. and five. They're on pace to, to at that number. Well, at this point, they've practically guaranteed themselves a playoff spot. I don't see how they cannot make the playoffs when you're 14 games over 500. I mean, that's going to be a, a that's a long way for a team to fall. No know? doubt, because if they fin- if they if they play 500 the rest of the way, the team that's really impacted by this is the are the Yankees. Believe it yeah. or not, they're already yeah. almost 10 games out of out of first place. So the Red Sox are off to a to a scorching start. And this was a team that I was very wrong about. I didn't think they'd be that good, but apparently they are. And they're hitting and they're pitching and they're doing everything right. So good luck to them, but uh, I hope the Yankees can catch them. (laughs) So uh, let's move on to the Central. The the Detroit Tigers are as good as anybody in the Central, which is kind of, uh, you know, the the, the Indians, I think, are in first place. Or is it, you know, uh, or is it the Twins and they're all 500? Should Should the Detroit Tigers try to actually win this thing and can they you know uh cleveland and minnesota are kind of fighting it out for that in the in the central division i don't think detroit has a chance but there's two things that i'm kind of surprised at at this early stage in the in the season one that the detroit tigers are playing 500 baseball and that the white Sox are so bad the white Sox are four and 13 and um you know they're they're, and it just it just seems as though i I knew they were you know targeted to win 70 games or so but they may not uh you know our buddy joe side has talked about them losing 100 games they may lose 100 games and so the but the tigers it's kind of almost a false positive i think you know after you're looking at a 20 game sample it's it's yes they are they are overperforming but i still think this game comes down to pitching and they're they're they have none of it right and less unfortunately yeah. for them um so all right so uh let's go to the al west houston looks really good but so do the angels yep yep, they'll, yep. They'll, uh, that's going to be a, a really good divisional race i mean everybody thought the uh, uh, the astros would just sort of run away with it and and to an extent they have but right but uh the angels are kind of keeping up and and you know it's because of otani and some other things, you know, they're, they're, they're all, they, they, they have some relief pitching. They seem to have some depth there and they seem to be able to score a few runs and trout is playing well. Right. And, you know, it, 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 this is the team. I think that a lot of us sort of expected to see Correct. the last few years and, and the team that I think fans would like to see them uh, put together to support trout because he's always been so good, you know? 
My, my take on it is the Astros are as good as we expected them to be. They're 15 and seven, and uh, you can't really ask them to be any better. That's that's out, without what the Red Sox are doing with standing. That's that's a yeah. that's a pretty nice clip. But what the team that's really kind of surprising to take a step back is that Cleveland's only 10 and eight. Seems like they're not as good as they used to be. And yes, the Angels have have are kind of the team that we always expect them, and Otani's a big reason why. Um, that's a dangerous club. I, I, yeah. But the West is very interesting with, with Seattle and Oakland. Um, you know, uh, Texas is, is bringing up the rear in that division, but they're, they're, not, they're nowhere near as bad as the White Sox or the, the way the Royals are playing right no, they, now. No, there, so. there are five good teams or potentially five good teams yeah. in that division. Yep. So it's a lot more interesting than anybody says. Now, um, the NL East actually may be the most – competitive division in baseball this season. And what's interesting is Gabe Kapler for the Phillies kind of got off to a terrible start. Yes, he did. Sort of not realizing that you need to warm pitchers up before <laughs> you bring them into the game. Yeah. But, uh, but, but he seems to be, you know, they're, they're, they have a winning record. They're, they're kind of chasing the Mets right now. And if they haven't caught them outright and they have Arietta who's pitched well, I don't yep. know. I, I like what I'm seeing there. This is interesting. Well, I think the, the prognosticators at the beginning of the season were really kind of touting Philadelphia. So it's not a huge surprise that they've kind of turned it around. Obviously, the addition of Ariata and the fact that Ariata is now in season shape. Yeah. Uh, he pitched a gem on Thursday night. And in fact, uh, we'll talk about the Cubs in a minute. I was really missing uh Jake, uh, particularly the last two Cubs games um, uh, where the starters have betrayed us. But Philadelphia is definitely a team to watch out. I think there's another team in that division that no one's talking about, and that's the Atlanta Braves. The reason is is because the Braves have some of the, due to their trade-offs over the last five, six seasons, they have some of the best young talent in baseball, including Ronald Acuna, who is waiting to come up. And I'm telling you, they're saying this is the next Willie Mays. If, if he's able to come up relatively soon, which I hope he does on the sake of my fantasy baseball team, um, I, I think that the Braves could be a team to watch out for because the Mets, I, I, it just seems to me that I, I, I would think that maybe Philadelphia and Atlanta are going to give the Mets a lot more of a harder battle than maybe any other two teams besides the, you know, the Cubs, the Brewers, and the, and the Cardinals, which I think it, basically that's a three-team race uh in the central so well it's it's funny because everybody kind of looked at the nationals as the team yeah that win that division and they're sort of they're sort of limping along into the middle and uh they kind of haven't caught fire yet you know uh, correct bryce harper's hitting but the rest of the team doesn't seem to be performing very well so uh, max, you know, max scherzer's pitching the very very well yeah that, is, that's that's one thing but, but, but they but the are 10, the team, they're 10 and 11 and you're absolutely right if they don't get better and soon, they're not even going to make the playoffs. No, no, they're, they have a really hard road ahead of them. And you're right about the Braves. I think that they could be a super team. They're, they're a really good team this year. They could be a super team next year. Yep. So yep. now let's talk about the, the NL West, the Dodgers. Will this continue? They're, they're limping along. They're in third place behind the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. They're nine and 10. You know, they don't have Justin, um, Justin Turner. Turner. Yeah, they right. don't have Justin Turner, yes, which I they, think was a big that that I think more than anything hurts them offensively because it all kind of was propped up against him, you know, what all these guys do. And without him, you know, they're they're sort of ordinary, I think. 
Well, you know, baseball, we'll, we'll keep harping on this, is, a, is really it's a pitching um, thing. And, and when you look at the Dodgers, Kenley Jensen is an ordinary reliever today. Um, yeah. And if he doesn't uh, recapture his velocity, they say that basically he's, 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 his ceiling is about 91 miles an hour right now, and he needs to be closer to 95, if not even higher, to be successful. This could just be the beginning of the season where certain pitchers, I know Ariata historically has had problems with velo- uh, velocity at the beginning of the season, and come June or July, he gets it back. I hope that's true with uh, Jensen, because if not, the Dodgers are very, very ordinary, mostly because they're starting pitching. Pitching isn't there. You know, the other night, there was a marquee matchup of Scherzer versus Kershaw, and Kershaw pitched well, make no mistake about it he pitched well enough to win in most nights but Scherzer pitched a gem and uh Washington actually edged the Dodgers and the Dodgers have been playing better over their last 10 games they're actually a little bit better than 500 but um I I think that you're right I think maybe when it's all said and done Arizona and Colorado it could be a two-horse race no they're they're both uh that's a really again it's another interesting division the Giants have sort of come back to earth and uh but you know the, the 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 Dodgers really depend on that bullpen to sort of uh, prop them up to really you know make it make them into the super team that everybody thought they would be. And if and it, and it all begins with with Jansen, who's kind of that linchpin. And if he's not doing well, you know they're not going to do well. Mm-hmm. So all right, so let's move on to the Central, the National League Central, which is our home division, and right. Brian Price. The Brian Price era in Cincinnati has ended. <laughs> right. Know? That's Brian with a Y, by the way. Is, is it Brian with a Y? That yes. Was, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I can't say that I'm surprised, other than the fact that I, 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 I mystified at how he lasted as long as he did. You know, he just seemed like he was in over his head since the first day he got the job, you know. Yeah, you know, the only thing I will say is I didn't watch it as closely as you and maybe some of our Cincinnati Reds listeners could uh, chime in with their comments. But I'm not so sure Casey Stengel could have won with this team for for a variety of reasons. You know, and one of the things is, too, that's kind of a little bit scary is that Votto is off to a really slow start. He's been terrible. Uh, and, and, you know, terrible for him means he's batting 250. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a first Future, in my mind, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest hitters that ever lived. Um, and so he's struggling, you know, pitching again, keep harping on that. Reds don't have it. I think they have very smart fans who ba- who, who penalize the Reds by staying away. And, and because basically they're like, hey, put a good product on the field and we'll come watch it. And if you don't, we're not. <laughs> and the Reds haven't had a good product. I thought they had a really good start to last year's season, but they sit at three and 17 and, uh, yeah. right now. It's the worst team in baseball. It is. As far as record, it certainly is. I mean, they brought price in because they thought he could help their young pitchers, but it seems to me that they've gotten a lot worse. Yeah. So yeah, yeah they're, they're worse off than they've ever been as Correct. far as starting pitching. And I know they've had some injuries and maybe that's not his fault, but I don't know. A friend of mine in St. Louis said, it was only a matter of time before they had to shoot a hostage. And, you know, and and I feel bad. I I feel bad for him, but you know, at the same time, I'm kind of encouraged that they brought in uh, Jim Riggleman, but he's only going to be an interim manager. It looks like they may eventually promote Barry Larkin to manage the team next season. And I've heard some disturbing things about Larkin 
in that he eschews analytics. He doesn't like analytics. So yeah. I'm sort of, if that happens, then you could forget about the Reds for the next 10 years, you know? So, you know, th- th- these are all potential interesting scenarios. Um, but I will tell you that Riggleman is kind of a purgatory manager, meaning that you're kind of caught between heaven and hell with this guy. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not so sure that, He's a wartime consigliere, and that's kind of what the Reds need. And maybe Larkin could be that kind of a guy. You still, as Sparky would say, you still need players to win yeah, at this game. You do. So until, but I will say that, you know, over the years, as the Reds have kind of gotten rid of players like Chapman and I, you know, they've kept, they kept Votto with amazingly, they maybe shouldn't have not exactly sure, but you would think that their, their minor league system would be a little bit better than what it's shown to be up to this point, but especially uh, for as bad as they've been, you know, and uh, you know, I feel bad because Riggleman is, uh, I mean, what you say is, you know, he's not a wartime consigliere. Well, you know, he was, I think a good manager when he was here with the Cubs, he just never got a chance. He's not going to get a chance in Cincinnati. He's he's a baseball lifer. Correct. He's a man who's Correct. dedicated his life to the game. And what yep. I like about Riggleman is he lacks that sort of angry old man sort of attitude that these lifers like Clint Hurdle and Brian Price seem to have. You know, Riggleman yeah. is the he's the anti Brian Price. You know, right. He's, he's, he really is in many ways. He's very calm, very measured, very serious, and very professional. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, I wish him the best. That's the only thing I could say at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough year in Cincinnati. So, um, last night there was a no-hitter, and it was against the, the Boston Red Sox, who've <laughs> just amazing. been murdering everybody. So, uh, so who's this guy? Sean Manaya. Yeah, you know, yeah. And uh, for the Oakland A's, no less, right. they, they no-hit the Red Sox. Boy, what do you think of that? Well, you know, it's interesting. It was on the anniversary of the last time the Red Sox were uh, no hit when uh, the Brewers, Chris Basio did it in 1993 on the same date. To me, it's maybe more than anything else. It's an aberration. First of all, Sean Manaya has a great arm, a very lively arm. Uh, Boston is the best team in baseball at this point. And maybe it was just, you know, Boston just decided not to show up yesterday. I I don't know, but I, I, I don't read too much into it. Um, you know, good for, good for Sean. It's good. You're right. It's uh, unlikely that it's the Oakland A's um, uh, who haven't thrown a no hitter since uh, Dallas Braden's perfect game eight years ago. Um, so it, it, no, it, it's just ironic that I was thinking about that yesterday during the day that the season hasn't seen a no hitter yet. Um, and then we, we had one last night. So it's kind of weird. Um, I just, just a couple little other notes as we go around yeah. the league, the Yankees have promoted Glabar Torres. If you remember, he was the player that we gave up uh, for Ch- in the Chapman deal. For as Chapman that got the, the Cubs in the World Series, yeah. That, yep, and the Yankees have both of those players right now, by the way, just as a reminder. Um, Torres is going to be a, a middle re- infielder that's going to play basically all of the uh, – um, third base through second base positions, including shortstop. Um, the Yankees are, are struggling, as we've, we've talked about. So maybe this will be the spark plug that they need outside of A. Ron Judge, who's uh, yeah. still hitting home runs every day. Um, Stanton has been a big disappointment, and their pitching, again, has betrayed them. And that's what I think is going to ultimately doom the Yankees is that they don't – 
you know, um, outside of Severino and a fairly decent bullpen. Um, they, they're going to struggle from a starting pitching standpoint. Um, also wanted to mention that uh, Danny Farquhar, um, the White Sox pitcher, um, on Friday, um, he, uh, he passed out in the dugout after yes. pitching an inning. And um, fortunately, the White Sox were smart enough to send him right to the hospital where it turns out he had a brain hemorrhage uh, and a and, and an aneurysm that uh, not only puts his life at risk, uh, but puts his, certainly his baseball career at risk, which is not the most important thing. But that very smart thinking by the White Sox, who usually when people faint, sometimes people just throw water on them. Yeah, and right. They move like, on. Well, I'm fine. I'm fine. But no. Right. No. Had they not done that, he would have died. He and so, died, yeah. um, great, great job by the White Sox to get the medical attention that. Uh, Farquhar needed, and uh, it's going to be a long recovery for him. Yeah. But uh, it just kind of shows you, you know, baseball is not the most important thing in, in life when, when moments like this happen. All right, so let's talk about uh, the Cubs now. And I'm really excited to begin this conversation because this is why we're here and this is our favorite team. And I, it's been a really interesting week. Again, I mean, the warm weather arrived yep. on Thursday. They had a game against the Cardinals. And, you know, you're out there. I was out driving around in Elgin with the – out test driving a Toyota. I've got the windows down. The weather's nice. And all I can think of is the fact that I know the Cardinals will not stand a chance today because that warm sun is going to hit those Cubs players and they're just going to come out like gangbusters. They've been waiting for this kind of weather all season long. And once they finally got it, they really responded and they came out hitting. You know. Yeah, well, they treated the Cardinals like they owed them money. Yeah, they really um, did. On that particular day. And it's just, it's interesting that the Cubs are exactly what you said last week or the week before. You know, they win one, they lose one, and they were due for a big uh, outburst on that particular day. And yeah. uh, I don't know if Rizzo was back that day, but I know he was, he was back shortly thereafter. And he seemingly, since he's got, you know, back in the lineup, their offense has improved. Um, and so I, I did some analysis as I no. do before these shows every week. And I noticed that from a hitting standpoint, Chili Davis has had a really good influence, uh, on our cub team, yeah. um, much better than they were last year. They are, they're batting 250 as a team last year, they were at 215 at this point in the season. So the, 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 the woes of the Cubs are related to one thing and one thing only, and that's their starting pitching, which we'll talk about in a second. But I want to just say, hey, I think Chili Davis has done a, a really admirable job of picking up certain players' bats, um, such as uh, Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, man. You know, you note that he's hitting the ball to left. I saw it myself over the last couple of days. They're putting that shift on Schwarber, and Schwarber's hitting it, uh, you know, to the over the shortstop's head or around the shortstop, who's the only remaining player on that side of the field. To me, that's something that has driven me crazy over the last five years in baseball as teams have started to employ these shifts. Why players haven't spent hours in their batting practice of trying to, to beat the shift by going the other way. This exactly. Is Sparky, this is Sparky 101. If they put all the fielders on one side of the field, you must learn to hit to the other side of the field. And I think that Davis is really stressing that. Especially, I think, with two strikes. You know, you, you really have to kind of shorten up, have a swing that stays in the zone a lot longer and takes advantage of the lack of fielders on that side of the field. And, and another guy 
who's really taken a step forward is Jason Hayward. Yes. You know, if, if Hayward and Schwarber, you know, from the left side of the plate can sort of really get it done. I mean, there's no limit to what this team could do. Really. It'll go as far as the starting pitching will carry them. But uh, yeah. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about the, the guy that I think that needs to play every day at this point, And that is Al Moro. El Moro oh, wow. is, is, yeah. is hitting the cover off the ball right now. And he, as we know defensively, he made a spectacular catch last night in Colorado. In Colorado. Yeah. It yeah. went deep to center field. It was a Willie Mays in the World Series-like catch. Yeah. Um, and I'm just saying that you're absolutely right. If Schwarber and Hayward can keep their batting averages up, we would have not only a formidable uh, hitting outfield, but at least from center all the way through right, we would have a tremendous defensive outfield. Schwarber, Schwarber is improved. There's make no mistake in left field. I've seen it certainly since the first game when he looked like me out there, quite frankly, very bad. Um, and he's always going to be kind of Schwarber and left. I, I, we've talked about this before. His natural position is probably catcher uh, or first and, and kudos to him for embracing this change and, 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 and working so diligently on his, on his body and his, and his hitting that he's, he's a guy he's dangerous. When I went to that game last Thursday, I remember walking up the steps and seeing him just crush one yeah. uh, to, to, to right field classic Schwarber style. So I'm rooting for the guy. I think he's, he reminds me, you know, like a middle linebacker out there running around on a baseball field. He, it's odd to see sometimes, but, but I'm, I'm definitely in his corner. Hayward was the guy that I was worried about because, quite honestly, if you were going to be at the Mendoza line again this year, I just didn't think he would be an everyday player. I thought no. he would be a seventh-inning defensive replacement. A $25 million a year defensive replacement, no less. But, but, but again, I mean, he, he had a triple in Colorado to left center field, so he was going with the pitch, and he smoked it and uh, ran the bases really well. I'm very happy for him. And you know what's really funny is we haven't even talked about Javi Baez. Right. For God's sakes, the man is second in home runs. He's first yep. in slugging. He is uh, first in, uh, in in OPS. He's just he's first in RBIs. I mean, he, and, and he's one of the smartest base runners in the in the game. I'm yeah. telling you right now. Uh, and he's a, a wizard with the glove, and yep. he's the most interesting and exciting player to watch. And if this keeps up. If he continues to bat second and play at this level, he'll be the MVP. I right, right. I, I think the odd man out here on the offensive side of the ball is uh, Ian Happ. Uh, Ian leads the team, and I think he may lead the majors in strikeouts. I think it is the majors, yeah. With, yeah. with 25, and as far as I'm concerned – he may need to take a visit down to the minor leagues, kind of like Schwarber did last year to kind of find his way. But, I, but right now, El Mora would be my center fielder. And I'll tell you what, Baez is so good, I would have him as the leadoff hitter. I think Sparky would, too. I, I, I agree. I mean, you, you, you'd think, I mean, when you look at Baez's history, he's not a prototypical leadoff hitter. No, but, no. But the, but the way he's playing now and the excitement he's generating – I think the leadoff position might be ideal for him. And, and Al Mora seems to really have taken a step forward. That catch last night with his back to the infield, yep, you know, yep. just over his shoulder, and then his reaction, you know, it was just right. really exciting. I know. I know. He, was, he was the most surprised guy on the field that he actually caught it. Yeah. I love it when that happens, when they like, hey, the ball's actually in my glove. Yeah, that, no, that, that was That cool. look is fantastic. Um, but it brings us to, our, to, to the issue that I think that – is really um, the anchor on the Cubs that's holding the Cubs down. It's not their bullpen this year. Their bullpen has been the fourth great. Best, 
fourth best bullpen in the major leagues, which is that's that uh, they're playoff ready and worthy at this point, with the exception of Wilson, I would say. But the starting pitching of the Cubs is not so good. No, it's, it's one not. Of the, it's it's one of the worst. And I have to say, I'm slightly worried about you, Darvish, because, you know, we're here. Remember, I, I always say at the 40-game mark, we'll know what we have with the team. We're at the 20-game mark, and we basically have what you've been preaching for the last couple of weeks. They win one, they lose one, they win one, they lose one. But when you look at the professor, and you look at Darvish, and you look at even Quintana to a certain degree, Chatwood, is, Chatwood has been as bad as he was in, in Colorado. I haven't seen the good that he was when he was on the road in Colorado last year, uh, including at Wrigley. Uh, he's pitched terribly, but I'm just concerned about, of all of them, it's still early, but Darvish, because he, it, last night was kind of a microcosm of, of his season, which is he starts out the game brilliantly. The first time through the lineup, yeah. he's, he's got him one hit, and then he has that bad Frank Castillo inning where he gives up five or six runs in one shot last this past week, we only played four games and we split, but every game we gave up five runs to the opponent. That's well, just, it, yeah. you can't do that. <laughs> and it was driving me crazy last night with Darvish because he had been doing so well, but he would not for the life of him, throw his fastball. And he was walking these like eight, nine hitters, right. you know, Pitchers, and, right. and it was driving me crazy. It really, I'm like, throw your fastball. Right. You cannot hit it. He's you know, got seven different pitches. Throw yeah. any of them for a strike. How's but that? All, all he would throw was that slider, which is admittedly, I think, a good pitch, but he was having difficulty commanding things. Yeah. It was a, yeah. a struggle. I do want to mention, uh, what's it, Kyle Bodie came up for the yeah. Cubs. As, uh, ben Zobris <laughs> went on the DH and on the DL, and he hit a double into the gap. His family was there. That I was saw that. A very nice moment. A really nice moment. Until he tried to, to go to third base. Yeah, he was yeah trying to very... steal third. But still, that, that's, it, you know, that's what you need to do in the major leagues when you're coming up. You need to make a splash. You know when you're on a team like the Cubs that's so established, you better, make, better, you better do something to make Madden go, we got to keep this guy. Yeah, that's true, because the team is so good. It has so much talent, and I'd love to see him stick. He probably won't. Zobris will be back. It's, it's, you know, that's the way it goes. But I did want to mention one thing about the weather, too, and as far as the way the weather affects good teams in the same way that, you know, a muddy field in football will even out a really good team versus a bad team. You Correct. Know? And it's the same thing in baseball, I think. When it's really, really cold, it sort of negates the advantage that a good team may have, and it sort of evens the odds a little bit. And I think that that's what the bad weather has really done to the Cubs this year. That's my theory. And I have a theory on how to uh, fix it. What major leagues can do, major league baseball can do to resolve this problem of terrible weather in the spring. And what they should do is they build an indoor stadium somewhere outside of Chicago in the suburbs, you know, uh, something that holds 30,000 people, something that can be used by maybe a minor league team or high school or college teams when the majors don't need it. And then teams like the White Sox, the Cubs, the Bru well, the Brewers don't need to, but, but even teams like the Twins and the Tigers and the Indians, when they have to get a game played and there's no way they can possibly do it at home, they can come to this facility, play the game, at least get it in, 
and move on with the schedule. That's what I think. I think we'll you know, be good. That, that's interesting. I, I, if I was some of those teams outside of the Chicagoland area, I would have problems with that unless the revenue was coming to me. Yeah, well, no, the revenue the would come. You'd get the revenue. Your, your, your season ticket holders would have season tickets. to. You know what I mean? They'd, they'd yeah. be able to have a nice seat for the game there. You know, you just yeah. sort of use computers to set it all up. But, but I mean, we need to get these games in because otherwise, you know, in August, these guys are going to be playing 21 games in 20 days. You know, well, it, it, just as a, you know, uh, uh, to play the devil's advocate, last year because of the hurricane in Houston um, uh, or down in southern Texas, yeah. um, that Houston actually had to play some of their games in Tampa. Yeah. And 3,000 fans showed up. That's the problem. That's the problem that you have it, it, with, it, with that theory is that, you know, are, are, are you and I as Cubs fans, we may be because I'm a Tiger. Would I go to see a Tiger slash Milwaukee game in Chicagoland? Maybe I would because I'm a Tiger fan, but I'm not so sure normal Chicagoans will. So, but it's, it's interesting nonetheless. But, I think the, the better, more right, better solution would be to work on the geographic advantage in the United States so that their disproportionate amount of the home games would be in the southern part of the United States um, to start the season and then kind of, you know, give, give the northern teams more home games when the weather is better. Regardless, there's got to be a better way than what we're dealing with now because I think these weather conditions are only going to get worse. No, they are. They're only going to get worse. And, and, and this season was a terrible ex- – they tried – Tom, they tried that schedule. I mean, the Cubs didn't play a home game for two weeks, and they were in Miami. They were in, you know, they were in, uh, they were in Cincinnati. They were in uh, Milwaukee, and they still had awful weather. And you know, it, it was just a cold. You know, April has been. This is one of the worst Aprils I've ever seen as right, far as right. weather. I, I think a neutral indoor facility would help the White Sox and the Cubs, and they could build it out in Schaumburg or Elgin right. or whatever. And it's a very interesting concept, that's for sure. I think they could do it, and I think it would, they could make it work. All right, so um, that's my solution for the bad weather. Um, I wanted to also mention, I learned some very interesting things from the Cubs radio broadcast the other night. I'm in the car listening to Pat Hughes, so Zach Zaitman comes on with a trivia question, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll lay this on you. So how many times did Babe Ruth strike out 100 times in a season? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I, he was a, he was a free swinger. I'm going to say it, maybe it happened once or less. It happened less zero. He never struck out more than a hundred times. I think his high was like 93, 94. He, he was a free swinger. You know, there was one year where Ted Williams, I think struck out 15 times. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't as good as that, but, but, well, and you know, Barra, Barra had some Barra and DiMaggio had famous low strikeout totals yep, too. Yep. You know? So, and the other thing I learned too, was something about Kerry Wood. You know, he uh, Hughes loves to talk about the Kerry Wood 20 strikeout game and how it was the greatest pitch game he ever saw. And yeah. he, he remarked that the three, four, and five hitters were all were a combined 0 for 9 with nine strikeouts. Okay. Right, right, right. Now he did a little research or he had the research staff do a little research. And it turns out that if you go back to 1950, which is really about as far back as they could get the information, that's never happened. That's never mm-hmm. happened in a baseball game where the three, four, and five hitters struck out nine times and went 0 for 9. 
That's right, never right. happened. So that's extraordinary. That there's no, there's no doubt. There's been some great pitch games over these this time. I, I think of that Randy Johnson perfect game when he was in Arizona. They couldn't put the bat on the ball, but no. he didn't, he didn't strike out the the heart of the lineup like that nine times. Well, and, and, but, but it's interesting that we're talking about that game in the weather. The weather that day when when Houston was here way back when it was a terrible weather day. It was cold. It was rainy. It was wet. So, you know, I, I think that, that sometimes his his achievement is a little overemphasized. That 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 game drives me crazy because I was supposed to go to that game with George and Jim Brabeck, good friends of mine, and yeah. I and I was I said I just didn't feel up to it. I, I passed on it like an idiot because the weather was so, crappy. That's yeah. Why you passed I th- on it. well, I think I might have been slightly hungover. As yeah, I recall. There you go. Well, but anyways, all right. So uh, well, that's it. Uh, that's it for this week. It's always great talking to you, Tom. If uh, you have, and I'm talking to the listeners, if any listeners out there have any questions or comments, send them to our email address at you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com. Peace out.